We're back. This is the Detroiter covering sports in the Motor City in the Mitten State, presented by The Second String, thesecondstring.com. Michigan fans just released some absolute heat for the 2021 Big Ten Championship. Aiden Hutchinson in New York, absolute heat. May have been my best design yet, to be honest with you, which is a little, I'm a little conflicted about it. Honestly, I feel like I created a Frankenstein. I'm a Michigan State guy, right? I've made plenty of MSU designs. That is the one equalizer. I've made a ton of Michigan State things, basketball, just general football, ton of Michigan State things. Only done a couple Michigan things, but I'll tell you this. I just added the new one, the Victors, in honor of the 2021 Big Ten champions. And it is, I think, the best work I've ever done. I feel like I created a Frankenstein. I feel like whenever, whenever I came across the day where I knew I did it, I knew I created the Mona Lisa, my my zenith, my magnum opus. I should have made sure or saved that type of effort, that type of creative genius for an MSU design or for a Detroit design, probably better yet. Got going on this one. Next thing I know, I'm looking at the gold standard of vintage sportswear. Check it out if you're a Michigan fan. I don't say this often. Now, don't I do think most of the stuff I make school, all of it, really. Otherwise, I you know I wouldn't fucking make it. I do think most of it is like upper tier cool because some of it's like, all right, yeah, it's pretty cool, but nothing too crazy. I think most of it is a little bit crazy. Most of it is you catch someone wearing it, walking down the street and you hit a little bit of a double take. Your instant thought is, oh, where'd they get that? This one, this Michigan design is a category above that. I would put it in the must own category. If you're a Michigan football fan, If you watch the game this past weekend, if you're going to watch the game on New Year's Day, you are, you must own it. That's honestly it. You must own it. If you call yourself a fan, if you've ever bought Michigan apparel before, if you ever have considered buying Michigan apparel in the future or in the present, must own. It's that great. So check that out. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. So today we're going to take a little, uh, little different direction than usual. We did the Tuesday episode, all Lions, all Michigan, all Michigan State football, all football on Tuesday. And we still are kind of in the thick of football season. I've said it a million times already. The Lions season has been over, right? We've kind of hit that gray irrelevancy point like five fucking weeks ago. But obviously they got the first win. That was great. I wanted to talk about Dan Campbell for a little while on Tuesdays. Michigan is still very much alive in the college football landscape. Michigan, they, they've they never been more relevant in my entire life, to be fucking honest. They've never been more relevant. So obviously we'll be talking about them as we go. And that's the other thing. That's why I want to just do today no football because Michigan, Michigan State, they still are relevant. We have things to talk about. Obviously Michigan's game against Georgia, MSU against Pitt. Kenneth Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, ton of stuff to talk about. But Michigan State plays the 30th. Michigan plays either the 31st or the 1st. We have like a month. We got like three weeks to talk about it. I'm not going to be able to talk about the Red Wings, the Tigers, and the Pistons pretty much anytime. I mean, the Red Wings I can do once a week for sure. Pistons and Tigers, baseball just entered a lockout. The Tigers did their one noteworthy thing by signing Javi Baez. In the meantime, as far as the Tigers go, there's not shit that's going to happen until the lockout ends. 
what am I going to come on here and talk about the Tigers for signing guys? Like, oh, potentially once the lockout ends, who we're going to sign. Even then, we know who we want to sign. We know who's still out there. We know what the Tigers need to improve upon. And there's tons of speculation. There already has been even before the lockout. But now, Tigers are frozen. They made their move. They're frozen. We either wait until the season doesn't happen or we wait until the lockout ends and then we can get back into it. Pistons, man. We're going to talk about the Pistons some today. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid it's not going to be good. It's not going to be positive. If you, if you came here, if you're tuning in today, like, all right, sweet. We're going to I'll listen to a little bit about the Pistons. It'll lift my spirits. Like, not feeling great about them now because they just got the first overall pick and they're still the fucking worst. I'm not going to make you feel any better. Let me just disclaim that right now. If you want to feel better about Sadiq Bey looking not great, Isaiah Stewart not being so hot, Killian being up and down, if you want to come here and feel better about the sophomore class and what we're going to do and how we'll be back and competing in a year or two, you are in the wrong place, my friend. I want to talk about the Pistons and the idea that there are people that watch every night. I know Eli Bashi, Nick Hankel, a couple guys, ultimate Pistons fans, how I would describe myself with MSU hoops or MSU football or the Lions. I mean, it's easy to be a football fan, right? They play once a week. That's no problem. But how I would describe myself with MSU football or MSU basketball or the Red Wings where I'm too, if I'm available to, unless I have to be somewhere, I'm tuning into the Red Wings. I'm tuning into the to state basketball games. These guys are like that for the Pistons. I don't understand how that's fucking possible. I can't even watch a game of these guys. I can't barely, I can barely watch them play a half. Honestly, I think I've made it through like two full quarters this year, unless I'm at the game. I've gone to a few games, so I guess that's kind of unfair. But when I try to throw it on television, I want to say I've made it through like the entire first half, maybe once, maybe twice maybe twice and these guys night in and night out pull up a yard chair and watch the Pistons start to finish I don't understand how that's possible and I want to be able to like the Pistons I really do I really do Cade fucking he's awesome he seems like a great guy he's Cade is the perfect guy for Detroit he's the guy that we needed he is the guy I did a podcast when the season right before tip off on the season where I was talking about how fired up I am to watch the Pistons, how excited it feels to like be interested in the Pistons, how new it is. Like I'm, I'm, I want to follow the Pistons. I want to watch them play. I want to see Cade play. I want to track their improvement. Like I'm interested. I'm excited. Like a week went by two weeks worth of games went by and it was, Oh, we're zero and six or whatever. We're going to be the worst team in the NBA again. All right. That well, you know, it was fun that day, that 24 hour period where I was excited. That was nice. But I guess until next year, I guess I'll get fired up again. Once the draft comes around, I don't understand how these people do it night in and night out. Like I, it's commendable. It's commendable. They are putting their lives on the line out there. They are putting themselves aside. They, some of the most unselfish characteristics, characteristics a human can display yeah, I don't mind if I just hate my life for the next three hours, two and a half hours. I'm going to watch the Pistons. Yeah, I don't care. I could do a thousand other things that would actually make me smile. But you know what? Let me watch the Pistons instead. I commend these guys. I don't understand how they do it. I wish I could do it. 
because I'd like to care about the NBA. I'd like to care about the Detroit Pistons. I care about every other team in the city and in the state, even Michigan basketball. Like I'm not necessarily tuning in and watching every single night when Michigan plays, but like last night they were on against, uh, who'd they play last night? Nebraska. They were on, I was doing some stuff. Like I just threw Michigan on, on the TV in the background. Fine. Like, I don't mind it. I I can watch them. I can have them on. It's no biggie. Like they're good. They're watchable. Like they don't even need to be good is the sad part. That's what really blows my mind. They don't even need to be good. I don't need to turn it on and they are winning games and they're going on streaks and they're going to make the playoffs and these guys are playing great. I can turn them on and not make my fucking eyes bleed. And I don't even care about Michigan. If they win, okay. If they lose, okay. Doesn't fucking matter. I can turn them on and it's fine and I can do it. And that can be my primary form of entertainment. Pistons, I'd prefer that they win. Now, I'm not living and dying by the Pistons. I'm not going to cry myself to sleep when they get blown out by 50. I'd prefer that they won, though. When I'm watching the Pistons games, I'm happier when they make shots than I am when they miss shots, right? I I would like to see Cade Cunningham perform. I would like to see them win a game. A game. Don't need to win all the games. A game would be cool. And I can't do it. I can't get myself to do it. There's such a fine line. And I'm sure I've spoken about this, about the other teams. It's funny. It's kind of nice. It's it's sad and it's good because all the teams, Detroit Red Wings, the Lions, fucking God knows, but the Red Wings, the Stones and the Tigers all kind of on a similar timetable. Obviously I'd say the Red Wings a little more ahead of schedule than the other two with the Tigers, not too far behind, but it is kind of nice that they're all on the same timetable as far as their rebuilding. Like they've got a couple guys, obviously the Pistons got Cade wings, got cider. They got Raymond Larkin, but although he's been there a while, the Tigers got guys like Torque green, the pitchers, like they've got the young pieces, but they don't have enough yet, but they're starting to get there. You're seeing the flashes. They're giving you the moments. The Tigers, for instance, I think it was at the beginning of June after the break, they give you two weeks straight where they don't lose. Like they're giving you the doses of, oh, that's, oh, okay, that's right. Like that's why. it When they do win, when they do play well, it is fun. That's why. The Red Wings this year, I mean, they've been the worst team in the NHL the last three, four years, like historically bad in some of those seasons. Historically bad. Not bad. Historically bad. The NHL has never seen a team that bad, levels of bad. All of a sudden this year, they lost last night. We'll talk about it, but they're probably not going to make the playoffs, right? But all of a sudden they're interesting. They're competitive. I turn them on every night and I'm going in like, yeah, I think they can win today. Like, why not? Why not? They, they've they've got players. They've got dudes that can score goals. They've got defenders. They've been playing well. They've won games they're not supposed to win. They are competitive. Why not? Like, that's it. They're fun to watch. They do things. They reward you. Even games where they might lose, there'll be rewarding plays where Lucas Raymond does something crazy or Mo Sider does. And you still, yeah, it sucks that you lost, but you're still rewarded because you get a flash. The Pistons, it's uh, nothing even close to that. Now, I know Cade, as of recently, I think last night he had like 26 and 7 or something. Great game. Great fucking game. What is he? 18, 19 years old. That's the other thing. This dude's a fucking teenager <laughs> going out a light 26 and seven on the worst team in the NBA. No big deal. That's <laughs> something light. 
he definitely provides the flashes. He definitely is anchoring the rewarding aspect of watching the Pistons. And when I talk about those guys like Nick Hankel and Eli, where they just, God bless them, suffer through those games, that's why they're doing it. They get to watch the the, the once-a-week game where Cade has 20-something and however many assists, where Cade gets a double-double, where Cade is the youngest player to make five threes in a game, whatever the case may be. That's their reward, right? My issue is that, A, obviously Cade took a bit to get going. When I was locked in, I mean, I started the season. The first couple of weeks, I'm like, all right, we'll give him a chance. Let's go. It's we're 0-0, beginning of the season. We got Cade. Let's fucking see what they're about. Let's give him a chance. Cade was hurt to start the year. Took him a little while to kind of find his footing once he got back. And then since then, he's not tearing it up every night. He's not getting 26 and eight every night, right? He has some down nights and the nights I've watched, he's either, you know, he's pretty good. He's all right. He'll get 19 points for a set where it's like, all right, that's fine. But he hasn't had that I've seen, like, as in I'm watching the game. I haven't had the outstanding Cade night where it's like, all right, we lost, but Cade's fucking sick. He's made a few plays, made a few passes, gotten a few buckets, like the Toronto game, for instance, where he got the back-to-back buckets to ice him at the end. That moment, it's like, fuck yes. Fuck yes. I'm glad I watched this guy just ice up the Raptors live. That was the sickest thing I've seen in a Pistons uniform in 10 years. That was the future. That's why I have any emotion about the Pistons. But so many nights, they're just lifeless. So many nights, they're just bad. Like the quality of play, they miss shots. They turn it over. They just look like they don't belong on the floor with some of these teams. And I get that they're bad. And I get that Cade Cunningham's not going to change everything and turn the world on its head in one year, in 20 games or however many he's played. I understand. I actually think I'm one of the more patient people even like not even media uh, podcast, whatever, but like of my friends, even I think everyone's pretty quick usually to, Oh, this guy stinks. Oh, he didn't perform in his first week with the team. He stinks. Get him out of here. I think I am a pretty patient guy. So I'm not, you know, it's not like, Oh, Kate sucks. This blows. But the rest of the guys who looked pretty good last year, who gave you those flashes last year, who made being a Pistons fan rewarding last year. I remember, They played in L.A. against the Lakers one game last year, went to OT, and LeBron just did what LeBron does. But the game was awesome. The Pistons, a bunch of 19 and 20 and 21-year-olds, were fighting for their lives and giving LeBron, the king, everything he could handle. They lost the game, but it was awesome. It was rewarding. Those same guys, we came into this season like, all right, you throw in Cade, you throw in a guy who will be – like his floor is a good player. You throw him in who already is making an impact, already at 18 years old, 17 games into his career is our best player. You throw him in to a mix of four guys, three guys, Killian, Stu, Sadiq, and Jeremy Grant, where Jeremy Grant was solid last year, and he's been solid this year. But those other three guys, they should get better. They were pretty good last year. They were the ones showing flashes last year. They were the ones giving you ideas last year of, oh, I know the Pistons are bad now. I know we're losing games now, but these guys are doing some things that make me think we won't be bad for too long. These guys are doing some things that even before we knew we were going to get Cade and before we drafted Cade, they're doing things that make you go, you throw fucking Cade or Evan Mobley or Jalen Green with these guys? Like, we may have something here. We may have something here sooner than we expected. 
And those guys that we counted on, the Sadiq Bays in particular, Killian, he didn't play a ton last year. You got to think like he's still in the first half of his rookie year's worth of playing time. Beef Stew, who I think many expected to kind of take another jump. Those guys that you're counting on to go from the flash guys to more consistent quality players and still provide the flashes where maybe Sadiq Bay has the night where he gets 30 and is unstoppable. Killian Hayes has the 15 and 12 night where he looks like an absolute maestro. Beef Stew has the 14 points, 22 rebounds night where maybe, yeah, he's undersized, but he just wants it more than you. Those still happen, but they become the more consistent overall quality night in, night out players. And then you throw in the Cade, and then you throw in the Jeremy Grant at times can be unstoppable, can get 20 anytime he wants seemingly. You throw that with those guys progressing. And I kind of came in, maybe this is the ignorance in me. Like I'll admit, I'm not a basketball savant. I'm not on the ringer clicking through statistics and reading every little thing about the Pistons. But I know, like, I think I have a good understanding of what good basketball looks like. I think I have a good understanding of what a good player looks like. And you throw these guys on, you put them on TV this year where you have those expectations. And again, I'm not sitting there, oh, we're going to the playoffs. We got Cade. This team's doing this and that. I'm going into this year with the expectation of what the Red Wings are. What I what I had hoped the Red Wings would be coming into this year, I think they'll have a chance to win every night. I think they'll be fun to watch every night. Sure, they're going to lay an egg. Red Wings against Nashville last night laid an egg. But for the most part, they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to compete. They're going to give teams run for their money. And the analogy I always make, they're going to end the era of being the Detroit being a going out city. When the Lakers come to Detroit, it isn't, oh, you guys want to go to Legends? You guys want to go get a few drinks? I'm playing the fucking Pistons tomorrow, dude. I'll be a little hungover. Who gives a fuck? They're going to end that. Similarly to the Red Wings. When the Tampa Bay Lightning come to Detroit, there is no more let's go get dinner and stay out till 2 a.m. and try to hook up with the locals. It's, fuck, we like we got to win. The Red Wings pretty solid. If we show up tired, hungover, they'll take our lunch money. We're going to bed at 11 tonight. That's what I wanted the Pistons to be, and the Pistons have remained. Let's go get wasted because we get to play the Pistons tomorrow. They've remained a going out city. They've remained a party city, which is the lowest you can be on the totem pole. I didn't expect them to make the playoffs or win a ton of games, nothing like that. I expected them to be competitive. I expected them to win some games. Probably they shouldn't. I expected them to be in almost every game. And most of all, I expected them to be watchable. And sadly, it just isn't the case. Sadiq, I swear to God, I haven't seen that guy make a three-pointer all year long. Killian, you know, I like Killian. I think he has a place in this league. I love that he's good at defense. That is one of the joys, him and Cade. I like watching them play defense. I do have an appreciation for good defense, especially in a league like the NBA, where I feel like so many guys, and especially superstars and high-powered offensive players, just don't really give a fuck about defense. I do have an appreciation for the defense, but guys like Stu kind of not doing a whole ton, a whole lot. Jeremy Grant's fine, right? I mean, he shoots it a ton, though. He is the only guy outside of Cade that is a go-to guy. They just miss shots. They don't, like, make plays unless it's Cade or Jeremy. Cade is still kind of warming up and getting used to the league. Like, 
the only reason I tune in to a Pistons game or would even think of it is, all right, I'm going to watch Cade play. And when you turn the game on and he starts off over four, it's like, all right, I'm done. I'll turn on Seinfeld. It's a shame, dude. I just, and I, again, commend the people who are watching them night in and night out. Like I want the Pistons to be cool. I want to want to watch the Pistons. I enjoy the NBA, dude. I'm living in California now. Like you go to the bar, you go wherever the Lakers are on. It's fun. Like it's cool watching LeBron. Like it's, it's cool that when you turn the TV on, when basketball's on, when you go out to the bar, like it's LeBron and the Lakers. It's cool that you're seeing them do cool shit. It's cool that the team everybody around you is rooting for is winning games and they're pumped up. Like they'll show the Golden State too. Like it's fun that Steph Curry's on the team I get to watch. It's fun that he's raining threes and they're winning games. I want the Pistons to be that. I want to have an ounce of the Pistons being that, and they just aren't. And I can't get myself to watch them. And I don't know how people do. Like, it sucks, dude. It sucks. Especially a city like Detroit where it is a basketball city. The Pistons are a legendary brand. There are people there, like I said, who are watching them through the darkest days and do care about them and do want nothing more than for them to win. And they're just flaccid. Sucks. Again, thoughts and prayers of the people that watch the Stones every night. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. Quick break. We'll talk some Red Wings. Um, And then a little bit Michigan State. They enter Big Big Ten play tonight against Minnesota. Well, when you're hearing this last night. So we'll talk a little bit of Big Ten play, a little college hoops, Red Wings, Um, and then we'll be back to football next week. Like I said, we got a whole month to talk about the college teams. So I don't want to, I can't do football every episode. So we'll do a little bit, you know, we did some Pistons. We'll do some wings. We'll do some college hoops. Let's talk some wings. Lost last night to Nashville 5-2. Mentioned it earlier, just an ass kicking. Played terribly. The guys... You would have thought that was their 10th game in three days instead of their first game in three days. I mean, their legs looked fucking dead. I don't know if not playing, it's like a rust versus rest type situation, not playing. They lost some muscle. Their legs got a little lazy. I don't know. It looked like they were moving in slow motion. It looked like nobody really fucking cared that they had a game going on. It looked like they were, you know, five games in a row. That's enough for me. Uh, We can lose tonight. It was bad. They looked lazy. There was no energy. There was hardly any creativity or scoring chances. Even LCA, you kind of felt, was like just like a flat fucking whoopee cushion. It sucked. And Nashville, the worst part is Nashville had a couple key guys out. Easy opportunity for a win. Easy opportunity to take advantage of a team that's missing some pieces. Came out like a flaccid banana. Got their asses kicked. That said, you're not going to win them all, right? They had just won five in a row. It is what it is. It's hockey. It's up and down. But now we're at the stage, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe the last time I talked about them, but I know I talked about them before the Lions, or I mean, before the Lions, before the Red Wings went on that four-game losing streak, that road trip, I had this exact conversation with myself on this podcast. You're going to lose games. That's just how fucking sports work. That's especially how hockey, baseball, basketball, you're just going to lose games. Like it's going to happen a pretty solid amount. You can't let them snowball. And when they went on that road trip, they were feeling good. They were in the points, right? They were in the wild card. The boys were playing well. Morale was high. They had just played a bunch in a row at LCA. The building was electric every night. 
And then they went on the road, lost four in a row, gave away a couple games that they for sure shouldn't have lost four in a row. Next thing you know, it's like, well, fuck all that work we did at the beginning of the year, kind of just out the window. Now we got to go on a win streak, which you know what they did. They did. They came back, they played at home, and they won five in a row. They made up for those four losses and then an extra. But now we're back to that same point. We're back to square one where you can't let this thing snowball. You can't let that one loss against Nashville, the one bad performance, you cannot allow that to turn into four losses. Two, three, four, five in a row. You can't. Like I said the first time, that is how you miss the playoffs. That is how you end up in February and your season's already over. That is how you lose fan interest. That is how you lose games. Not that you just got outplayed one night, but you've gotten outplayed the last three, and now you feel like you're going to get outplayed on the fourth. Momentum is so key in all sports, but I feel like especially hockey, stymie this stymie this immediately they're in st louis tonight they got the avs on the road friday night stymie this avs are a good team st louis i don't know how they're doing i don't think they're doing too well this year let me take a peek either way though you gotta win at least one of them ideally you win tonight in st louis immediate bounce back don't even give this thing the opportunity to, to snowball and get bigger than it has to be. St. Louis is having a good season too. That's where you lose things. That's where you lose the fan base and things get out of hand and you lose playoff spots. You can drop games. You can lose a game here, lose a game there, lose a couple here, lose a couple there. Your bad spells, you're, when you guys feel like you're not playing well, you can't quite get it going. Maybe you're not scoring goals. Maybe the goaltending's kind of subpar, whatever. When the Red Wings as a hockey team, when you're not on a hot streak, it isn't going your way. That has to be like 500 hockey. That has to be like every three games, you're winning at least one of those bad spells. That That's where you need to be. When you're playing your worst hockey, you're still winning one out of three. When you start losing three out of three or four out of four, that's when things get out of hand. And I'm interested to see where this goes. Like I said, they got a couple good teams on the road here back to back. I'm interested to see where this goes, especially because they already had the road trip where they lost every single one and it didn't look good and they needed a win at home and their backs were against the wall. They were losing to bad teams. They lost that game at Arizona. The crowd was a Red Wings crowd. Arizona fucking blows. They lost that game and all of a sudden it's like, yeesh. Yeesh, this isn't good. So I'm excited to see how they bounce back. I'm excited to see how they treat this road trip, right? Coming off a loss. They've been great at home. Obviously, they won the five and then they lose one. They've been great at home all year. I'm excited to see how they treat this road trip after the one they had already gone on where it wasn't very successful. See if they can't just go 500 on the road. Win St. Louis tomorrow. If you lose in Colorado, fine. Just go 500 on the road. That's all we ask. Just go 500 on the road. Keep it interesting. Win St. Louis, losing Colorado. We got the Islanders at home, beat them, and we're back. We're square. Just don't let it snowball. That said, I want to talk a little bit more about the game last night. Listen, the Red Wings have been good this year. And when you think about 
where the Red Wings are, where the Red Wings have been the last few years. I think where the Red Wings were expected to be this year, right? The projections on them, the number of games they were going to win, the competitiveness they were going to bring to the table. Most people, hockey, quote unquote, experts, fan, just more generic fans like myself. I think they've overachieved. I would say they've overachieved, right? I mean, they're in, or last I checked, they were in a wild card spot. They're they're winning games that they shouldn't. They're beating teams like Edmonton that they probably shouldn't, right? They're beating teams like Boston. They're winning at home. Larkin's producing, Raymond's producing, Sider's producing, Bertuzzi's producing, although he's out right now. Like, I'd say, you know, they're probably a little ahead of schedule as far as this rebuild goes. They are overachieving this year. And it's been a pleasure to watch. I fucking love every night the Red Wings play. I'm like, I'm just in a better mood that day. I'm excited for now 4 p.m. to roll around because I get to watch them. And it's been a treat. The opposite of what I was just talking about with the Pistons where it's like, this blows, who gives a fuck? Red Wings quite the opposite. Like, I still know this season probably doesn't end with the Red Wings in the playoffs. I still know this season almost certainly doesn't end with the Red Wings winning a playoff series, but I'm still gassed up every night. They take the ice. I'm gassed up to see how much longer can we keep this going? Like they're in a playoff spot right now. Like who am I to sit here and say, they won't do it. Fuck it. As long as they like, prove it to me, dude, show me why not. Why can't they do it? They've proved they've got playmakers. They've got high end talent. They can beat teams that are regarded as some of the best in the league. Why not dude? Until we're officially out of it and it's all the way over. Why not? I'm not going to sit here banging the drum, talking to everybody about how the Red Wings are going to make the playoffs. And they're this unbelievable team. Why not though? Like, why can't they sneak in, make it a little interesting, keep us around? I said at the beginning of the year, like my, like a, Perfect season, obviously perfect season winning the cup. But for this year, for the expectation, the perfect season, as much as I can ask, is keep me interested until the final horn. Like make February matter. Make March matter. Keep me invested in those months. Make me want to tune in. Give me a reason to tune in. Shit, it's not likely, but if the ti- or if the Red Wings win four of the next five, they sneak into the playoffs. Like, give me that scenario. I know you probably don't make the playoffs. That's fine. Just give me that scenario. Keep me interested. Make me believe you can win every night. And they've done exactly that. And it's been fun. And like I said, they're going to lose games. It sucked Nashville, but whatever. It's hockey. You lose games. The one thing I want to talk about today, a couple of the players on this team. Danny DeKaiser, yay, back from COVID protocol last night. Woohoo! That's awesome. Yeah, we get a defenseman back. A guy who plays a lot for some reason back. Yay! Michael Rasmussen is getting time on the power play. Yeah, because that makes sense. Oh, my God. He's out there on the penalty kill, too. Three on three. Let's get Rasmussen out there. Yeah! Because that is that's the best way to win. Those two guys, I, I'm having trouble with. I'm having trouble with seeing them put out there in those key moments, three on three. Granted, the Red Wings got away with a couple wins in those games where Rasmussen's getting like valuable three on three ice time. Okay. Out there on the power play. Danny DeKaiser, I mean, he's in the lineup. He's healthy. He's back. 
I'm having trouble with not getting angry over these guys being put in spots that like they just shouldn't be put in. And I don't want to be overly negative because I just gave you the whole spiel about how they've been good this year and it's been fun. But like, what are we doing? It's like Blasio. Why does Michael Rasmussen ever touch the ice on a power play? Why does Michael Rasmussen ever touch the ice in three on three? Why is Danny DeKaiser ever in the lineup unless he's the last man, unless we don't have an alternative? Like, why are we seemingly insisting on putting these guys in spots they don't belong? And I don't want to rip on them too much, right? Like, Rass has had a tough go. First round pick, hasn't lived up to the hype. He gets shit on enough. But I kind of talked about this with Izzo and Hauser not too long ago. At some level, like it RAS is RAS. You can't put a baby behind the steering wheel and be upset when they fucking crash the car. You can't be upset when RAS goes out there on a power play and immediately like slips and turns it over and gives the other team a, a shorthanded goal. You can't be too upset when RAS is inexplicably out there in three on three and sends a pass across the middle right to the opponent's stick that leads to a golden opportunity. Yeah, you're going to want to be upset at him because what the fuck are you doing, Michael Rasmussen? But at some point, Jeff Blaschel's enabling him to do those things. Danny DeKaiser, he's been out of the lineup the last, what, like three, four games with COVID protocol. Yay, let's throw a party. He's back. Woo. First game back. First period back. Has a play on the sidewall, just a turnover. Gives it to Nashville. Just, here you go. Take it. Have a two-on-one. It's been too long since I've given another team a grade-A scoring chance. Gives the puck away because he's just not that good at hockey. He's not fast. He has no skill. His brain doesn't work. If you're going to be slow, if you're not going to have skill, you have to have a functioning brain. You have to know where the puck's going to go five steps ahead of time. That's what makes the best players the best. The best players do that, and they have speed and skill. If you don't have speed and skill, you got to at least have a functioning brain. And DeKaiser doesn't even have that. Here you go, Nashville. Take a two-on-one, ends up in our net. And it's not some miraculous play by the Nashville guy taking the puck away, right? It's not like you're asking the DeKaiser to do some crazy thing to get the puck out of the zone. It's, hey, Dan, just fucking bank it off the boards and go for a change. Can't even do that. Trips over himself, loses the puck in his feet. Goal, Nashville. I just don't understand why these guys get the time that they do. And Rasmussen, honestly, more than the Kaiser, because you know what? Stetcher's out with the neck injury or whatever's wrist in, wrist surgery, whatever. Um, Mo Sider had to leave the game. Like you're a little stalled, didn't play. You're shorthanded. Fine. Like the Kaiser, sorry. He fucking has to play. All right, fine. Rasmussen, like, why is that guy seeing the ice in critical moments? In critical moments. I get he's going to play eventually. I get you need guys to chew up clock. I get he's going to be a third, fourth liner. Fine, dude. That's I'm, that's not the gripe. Why is he ever touching the ice on a power play? Why is he ever touching the ice in three on three? In situations where, by simple mathematics, you just don't need to use him, why is he ever being called upon? Power play. 
you figure you're going to have two units, a minute each on a two-minute power play. How the fuck does Michael Rasmussen ever crack that top six? How? You're going to have the Raymond Bertuzzi's out, so we'll leave him out. You're going to have the Raymond Larkin Fabry. All right. After that, you've got a million guys that you should put in before Rasmussen. Zadina, Ernie, Valeno, Suter, fucking Giovanni Smith, for God's sake. Honestly, anybody. 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 Nemesnikov. Why does Rasmussen somehow get shoehorned in there? Why does Blashill insist that Rasmussen needs to play? Why does he find ice time when even after the first line, the top end guys that are obviously going to get the time, why is he getting minutes over Nemesnikov, over Valeno, over Zadina, over Suter, over guys who have shown, A, at the bare minimum, they're responsible defensively and they don't just give the fucking puck away constantly, which is the number one thing that bothers me with Rasmussen. He just has mind-numbing turnovers. But guys that actually bring an ounce of potential offensively when Rasmussen, he had a nice goal last night. Never expect him to do that again. Didn't expect him to do it yesterday. I'd never expect him to do anything positive offensively. Yet he finds his way out there on the power play. Three on three, same fucking thing. Same fucking thing on three on three. You have five minutes of three on three hockey. You're going to play a defenseman, two forwards at a time. You, Rasmussen just doesn't have to play ever. Larkin Raymond, defenseman. Fabry Suter, defenseman. Nemesnikov Zadina, defenseman. Valeno, Ernie, defenseman. Rasmussen never needs to touch the ice. Blashill insists he goes out there, instantly turns it over in not only boneheaded, like doesn't make sense, but a level of turnover where it's like, that guy's in the NHL. That's supposed to be the highest level of talent in this sport. And he just did that. He just begged the other team to end them in overtime. Yet he finds ice. I love the Red Wings. They've been great this year. It's fun. And I don't want to shit on the guy, but Blashill at some point. Why does he enable these guys? Like, they're professionals, dude. This isn't the fucking Troy Recreational Center where your dad pays 80 bucks for ice time and you get to play five minutes. This is the pros, bro. What are we doing? Like, why do we insist on giving inferior players important time? Why does that exist? If you put an orange in front of me, I'm not going to tell you it's blue. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, yeah, Rasmussen should be out there. What? Like anybody that watches the games can see it except our head coach. And I get if the excuse is, all right, fine. Like we have him, he's under contract. You know, this isn't the winning window if we lose some games because of him, whatever. (sighs) Really? I get like the tank, Shane Wright, but like really? Whatever, if we lose some games because of him, whatever. Bro. Like we're in an oper- we're in a position to win games. We're in a position to maybe sneak in to a playoff spot, and we're in a position. We're in a race where the difference between us making it and not making it is a guy like Michael Rasmussen just turning it over in three on three and losing a game, just giving away shorthanded goals on the power play. But we're gonna put him out there anyway. I just don't get it. It it, it drives me crazy. Like that aspect of sports drives me more nuts than the players themselves being back. I hate that Rasmussen stinks. I hate that the Kaiser stinks, but more than them being bad, 
the fact that they fucking are put out there and expected to produce in high leverage situations, that is what drives me nuts. Either way, excited to see Rasmussen out there on the power play tonight. All right, one more quick break. Um, We'll talk some MSU hoops, a little, you know, big 10 play starts. MSU hoops is back. So I'm recording this Wednesday. They played a night uh, against Minnesota in Minnesota. So by the time you hear this, the game's over. Hopefully they already won. I expect them to win. I read something saying Minnesota's got 13 new guys. Just every single person that wears the Minnesota jersey tonight, this is their first time wearing the Minnesota jersey. They weren't there last year. If that's the case, I know Marcus Carr was a stud. He's gone. I think he, where'd he go, Kentucky or some shit? I expect State to kick their ass. I expect State to kick everyone's ass. You're going to tell me, first off, it's Minnesota, so you just kick their ass anyway, and then you're going to pile on that everybody on the team's brand new. I expect us to double kick their ass. I expect us to make them not able to sit down for the next week or so based on the level of ass kicking they received this evening. Should be a good game, though. I'm excited for Big Ten play. I, I... It's tough to say. Last year, obviously, was the COVID year, so there weren't fans. The season was kind of weird. And then before that, every season, I've been at school. And MSU, especially a school like MSU where basketball is a huge deal, any place, really, especially basketball schools, the season's massive. Like, you know when it's coming. You know when it's around the corner. In November, when you have the big tip-off game against Kansas or whoever, You can feel it's coming. You're excited all week. You get together, like you plan, you go to a party, you go to the bar, you plan an event around the season starting in those big games. It's weird, like being out of school this year, and maybe it's because the Michigan State football season went so late. Like usually the last few years, we're used to it's October and who gives a fuck about the football team, right? Like the season's over, no Big Ten, it's over. So usually that's the case. So we're kind of chomping at the bit for basketball season. Maybe it's because this year, the football season at the end of November, we were still in the big 10 race and every single weekend of MSU football was so fun that may have kind of taken away like my interest or my anticipation for the state basketball season, but it really did sneak up on me this year. I've watched, I think I missed like one game they've played so far. I've still been watching all their games, right? Like I'm still locked in. I'm still excited for the year, but it's still, hasn't really hit me that college basketball started. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the football or I don't know if it's I'm not at Michigan State surrounded by students who also care. Like I'm not in the cultural hub of Michigan State basketball. I don't know, but it kind of snuck up on me. I haven't really been like totally psyched up. I remember doing all those podcasts in March this year when Aaron Henry was fucking single-handedly willing Michigan State to the tournament. I remember every day I would go do a podcast and my leading thing or the number one thing I'd be excited to talk about or mention is Michigan, like huge game tonight. You just wake up with that feeling like this is it. Let's fucking go. You wake up gassed up every single night that they're playing basketball. I haven't really hit that point this year at all. Like I'm Googling when's Michigan state play next. It's like, who do we play? I haven't totally gotten locked in. Now that said, By the time February rolls around, I mean, January, sooner, December, I will be locked in. I will be like, just have it burned into memory how how many games up or down we are in the Big Ten standings. I will 
know exactly what we need to do to make the tournament. Like I will be locked in, but usually I'm locked in from day one. Usually the first game tips and it's fucking basketball. It's basketball. I'm all in. I know who's playing well. I know who's playing poorly. I know what we need to fix. I'm all in. I've been more laissez-faire this year. I don't know what that is, but I am ecstatic that it's Big Ten play because I think that is the one thing that's going to suck me all the way back in. And I think, who knows, maybe it's just, I don't know, like the Mendel effect. Is that the term? Some sort of, I don't want to say like recency bias, but like I'm thinking I'm thinking I was more locked in because I'm thinking of the bas- or the Big Ten season. I don't know. But I feel like the Big Ten starting, like these conference teams, these teams we're familiar with, where I know the players because I've watched them the last four years, the brands are more familiar, right? Like Minnesota, Indiana, blah, 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 blah. I think that gets me. And it means something. Now it's, do you want to win the Big Ten? You have to win these fucking games. When we're playing Oakland or we're even Kansas, like the big games are cool, but it's like, whatever, this game doesn't really matter. Now it's the real deal. Now it's the real deal. I was locked in for the tournament battle for Atlantis, but those are the same thing too. Like it's cool playing UConn and it's cool playing Baylor. If they lose, I don't really fucking care. Like if they win the battle for Atlantis, I don't really fucking care. I don't know if I'm alone on that. I don't know if there are MSU basketball fans out there that are like living and dying with winning the battle for Atlantis, but like, it's cool. I want them to win. I hope they win. I'm going to watch, but like, I don't really care. Now it's, if they lose tonight, I'm going to be very upset. If they win tonight, I'm going to be very happy. One and oh, big 10. Fuck it. I know everyone's talking about Purdue and Michigan and Illinois. Fuck those guys, dude. Sleeping on Michigan State. Imagine a world where we're talking about somebody winning the Big Ten in basketball and Michigan State is getting passed over. Yeah, I'm invested. Yeah, I want to win some games. Yeah, it's personal. So I'm excited. I love Big Ten play. I love Big Ten basketball. I don't know, like the ACC. I feel like when it comes to football, it's Big Ten SEC. When it comes to basketball, it's Big Ten ACC. I know the SEC has gotten better over the last few years, recruiting better and everything like that. And they obviously have Kentucky. Is Louisville SEC? No, Louisville's ACC in basketball. But ACC Big Ten are the creme de la creme in basketball. I love the Big Ten because a couple things. Every night, you can just lose. Every night, you're playing a solid team. Like Northwestern, I don't know who's supposed to be at the bottom of the Big Ten, but we're going to assume it's the usual suspects. Northwestern. Maybe not Rutgers, but maybe Rutgers. Whoever. You play the bums, the bottom feeders, It's you could lose. They're still Big Ten basketball teams. Like, they're going to bring the juice. Nebraska, they still – Bryce McGowan, he's going to be an NBA player. Like, every night you got to bring the juice, especially when you're on the road, or you can lose. And every game matters, as we've seen the last few years. Fucking three-way ties for the Big Ten – Every single game matters. You can lose every single game, no matter who you're playing. And the intensity is just ratcheted up. I know they play this one Big Ten game, and then I have a couple more out of conference before they go back to the Big Ten, I think, in after Christmas, right? I think that's when they go back to the Big Ten. But, dude, I'm so excited. I love college hoops. I love the intensity of the Big Ten. I talked about this at the beginning of the year. I kind of love that this year Michigan State isn't wearing the crown. 
We didn't win the Big Ten last year. We aren't ranked fucking top ten coming out of the se- or coming into the season. It's kind of like, oh yeah, Michigan State, they'll be pretty good, but ho hum. No, oh, ho hum, ho hum, ho hum. No one really to mention, right? No fucking Cassius Winston, no Miles Bridges, not returning Big Ten champions. Every year I've I've watched them. MSU is the is the one with the target. This year Purdue's got that target. Michigan's got that target. I'm fucking psyched to watch a season where going in and throughout the season, obviously things may change. Obviously they started unranked. Now they're ranked, but I'm excited to watch an MSU team run the big 10 schedule where I don't think we are the guys with the crown. Now teams still play better. I think teams still kind of give you the whole best shot because you are Michigan state. You are the brand. You are the team to beat. And you have been for the last 25 years. But I do think this year, Michigan returning Big Ten champions overhyped as fuck, apparently, in the preseason. They haven't looked great. Purdue, everybody's talking about how great they are. Even Illinois to an extent. There are a few other teams that I think a lot of people are picking ahead of MSU that have received a lot more attention and hype than MSU that I'm hoping they kind of take some of the pressure off. They kind of absorb that target. Nebraska's given them their best shot now, and now it's just regular old Nebraska when MSU comes to town. I'm excited to see how a season of that goes because we're so used to MSU wearing the crown and MSU being everyone's Super Bowl. We'll see how it goes as kind of more of a, you know, ho-hum team. Listen, I still think they can win the Big Ten. It's going to be tough. I think they can. I want them to. That is the goal. I'm excited to see what happens. And beyond all else, I can't wait to hear the Breslin Center rocking and fucking rolling. It's gotten loud a couple times this year, but like I said, things get ratcheted up when the Big Ten play comes around. Things get turned up when it's Michigan State, Michigan on a Saturday at the Breslin Center. You can't hear yourself think. One of my favorite sporting events, I was lucky enough to work as an usher at the Breslin Center, and people would always say, so what do you do? Um, Nothing. Really nothing. I got paid to watch the games. It was the fucking best. Lucky enough to have that job. My senior year, I was working the game, Cassius's junior year, where they hosted Michigan last game of the season. Winner of that game won the Big Ten, and Michigan State won that game. I've never been in a sporting environment like that in my life. I'll never forget it. It was electric from from fucking pregame. From the moment people were taking pisses and buying sodas, it was electric to the last buzzer. They hung the banner after the game. It was unfucking believable Obviously, I'm probably not going to be there many times this season. But, man, I love the atmosphere of college basketball. And we're so lucky to root on a team that cheers or that plays in front of the Izone, that plays at the Breslin Center, one of the best buildings in college basketball. And it turns itself up. It got loud a few times. I'm trying to think. Maybe their last game, it got loud a few times. Like, you dunk, you hit a three, you go on a run, it gets loud. When Big Ten play comes around, the students know. Those games mean more. We're talking about Big Tens now, not just exhibition games. It's Michigan State, Michigan. It's personal. It's four years of Brad Davison, and I need to see him lose more than I need air to breathe. Crowd gets turned up. TV's a little bit louder. I can't wait. And especially after last season, no students, no fans, none of that shit. I cannot fucking wait 
to get another healthy dose of Breslin center basketball. It's my, one of my favorite parts about all sports, hockey, football, like you name it, the crowds rule. And in college basketball, they're intimate. The loud, the bulk of the crowd is students. You know, especially as someone who went to Michigan State and worked for two straight years, I was at almost every single home game. Like, you know the culture. You know people are there fucking three hours before game time to get into the lower bowl. Like, you know the juice people bring. I can't wait to experience it again. One of my fa- – I miss sports during the pandemic when nothing was going on. I miss sports, but I think more than sports itself, I miss the crowd. I miss the atmosphere. Can't wait to get it back. Hopefully when you're listening this, State's 1-0 in the big. They whooped Minnesota's ass. I expect them to, dude. Just take care of the ball. And it doesn't even need to be that much care. Just don't hand them 30 turnovers. 15 turnovers, you probably win the game. And that's still not great. Just don't turn the ball over willy-nilly. Hand them layups. Trip over your teammate, moving screens, throwing passes to the other team. Don't be idiots. And you win the game going away. So I'm excited. College basketball is back. We're obviously, MSU's got one more game. Michigan's got, at most, two more games football-wise. So pretty soon here and the lions will be winding down in a month or so pretty quickly. We're going to turn into Pistons. Nobody fucking cares. The red wings. I love them. Obviously hockey's not the most popular sport. We'll be talking about them though. Tigers locked out, nothing happening and it'll be college hoops. It's going to be college hoops. Red wings, maybe a dose of Pistons every now and then sooner rather than later. So get on the bandwagon, lock it in. I'm ready to lock in tonight. Hope you are too. That's all I got today, folks. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Great weekend. Hope you had a great week. Um, appreciate everybody who listens. Appreciate everyone who shares, comments, sends me messages, whatever. I really do. I really do. We're. I can feel the momentum building. I can feel the community kind of building, growing underneath my feet. I can feel it, dude. I feel it in the fucking air. It's cool. It's like a weird, it's weird. It's crazy. I don't even know. Like, I'm not trying to sit here (laughs) saying the Detroiter community is anything massive. I don't know how Joe Rogan and guys like that get on the mic. Like, you know, millions of people are about to listen to that shit. What? What? What does that even feel like? Like guys at Barstool, pardon my take. What's up, bro? What is, I? that's like mind numbing shit. I, the people we have here, I'm like, that's fucking crazy that people tune in. It's awesome. Anyways, just wanted to say thank you. I always do, but I have to. I can't help it. Um, that's all I got. We'll see you next week.